delighted that you have found the Mindset Mental Meets podcast. I'm Angela Cox, your host and indeed the Mindset Mentor, and I'll be interviewing executives and founders at the top of their game to find out what lies beneath. I want to know what makes people proud, how they define success, what holds them back and indeed what drives them forward. This is authentic and natural conversation with the best in the business. So listen in, enjoy and if you love what you hear, please do leave a review. And now over to today's guest. And welcome to today's episode. Now, I'm here today with the wonderful Ryan Yeats. Ryan is somebody that I've worked with in the past and so know him reasonably well. He, at the moment, is operations director for a company called Advance Group, and we'll hear more about what they do. But he's also just a genuine guy who is really good at inspiring people, taking people on a journey and getting them to follow him. So that's something that I am intrigued to know more about today, if he's willing to share. He's smiling at me now going, that's so not me. But it is. So Ryan, welcome to the pod. How are you? I'm good. It's an actual, it's an honour. I listen every evening now when I'm walking the dog. So to kind of be here feels very surreal and a bit of a fanboy moment at the same time. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, lots of our old colleagues have been on the podcast, haven't they? So you probably relate to quite a few of the names. And it is perfect dog walking length as well, I find. It is. Yeah, it? not in the rain, though. Not in the rain. <laughs> yeah, you want a 10-minute one then, don't yeah. you? <laughs> so tell me, where are you in the country today? So I am sat in sunny Dunstable, which actually has just started pouring down. So <laughs> my office is... A little village just outside of Dunstable, and I work here Monday, Tuesdays, and stay over in Milton Keynes, which all my preparation was done in the Doubletree Hills and waiting for a pizza last night. <laughs> and then I tend to do sort of two days at home for the rest of the week and kind of a day out if I can with either one of the team or one of the customers. So actually, it's a bit of a shame because not many of the team are here today, which we've decided to kind of change things up a little bit from COVID, as everyone has. Yeah. But we've been, as I was just saying, moving pallets around and moving stock around this morning. So my grubby chinos are now <laughs> well overdue a dry clean, I think. <laughs> well, I like the fact that you'll kind of roll your sleeves up and get stuck in, you know, because you're not an ivory tower style leader. Certainly that's not how I remembered you. So that's nice to hear that you're, you, you know, you're getting stuff done. I'm keen to sort of talk to you today about your proudest moments because you'll have picked up from the previous podcast that that's kind of a theme. And we're going to dig into each one and sort of look at what you've got from it, what you've learned from it along the way. So you'll have had thoughts about this while you were having pizza last night. So hit me with the first one. What are you proud of? I I think it's uh, listening. I find it really amazing how people can kind of pick these off so simply because it's not something, as you know, that we do very well is talk about. So. Um, so I sat there on FaceTime last night saying, oh, what do I say and what do I do? So the first one for me and something that I'm quite an advocate of is my career journey, as I suppose, before I'm 30. And despite, luckily no one can see this video because I don't definitely look before 30. But <laughs> I've got six months left before I am 30. And 
I kind of feel as if my journey has been accelerated very quickly, rightly or wrongly in some times. Mm. I've had to go from leaving school with just some GCSEs into kind of a business world, which served me okay in some circumstances from a common sense perspective, but from an academic perspective, didn't necessarily serve me the best. So I suppose my journey in kind of a bit of a, a very brief snapshot is I started out as an engineer fitting bio and security alarms to the ceiling and things like that. And actually worked for my brother's business for kind of a couple of years. And, you know, sometimes working with family works really well. Sometimes it doesn't work very well. And for me and him, sadly, it didn't work very well at the, at the best of times. And I made a conscious decision at kind of 18 that I wanted something different. And from my point of view, looking back to when I was 18, all I ever wanted was more. I didn't quite know what more was, if I'm honest with you. And I went through a bit of a different stage of, I definitely want to be in sales. You know, I'd love to sell things. I definitely want to work in an office because that's what is great, is working in an office. And I definitely want to have people working for me because that's what is that's what I've seen everyone else do. So it took me kind of five years to really settle down into, into something that naturally is operating a business with a team of people, which is what I love to do. And you know, more recently, kind of the, the last five years, I took up some senior roles in the foreign security industry and was really lucky and really successful in, in kind of my last two places in there. But two years ago, I decided to change sectors before I was 30 because if I didn't, I felt like I'd become a bit of a lifer in the industry. Yeah. And for me, the, the, the change was as good as the rest. And who knew that I would move into a hospitality sector just before COVID hit and go through two years of, as everyone has, two years of hell, quite frankly. Mm. I'm genuinely proud that at the age of 29 that I am now, that I've kind of got to where I am. And there's still places to go. But I'm also really humbled by it, that people have taken an opportunity on me, seen something there. You know, sometimes I've got it right, sometimes I've got it wrong, but I'm still here to kind of tell the tales. That's nice to hear that admission of sometimes getting it wrong, because we all do, we all make mistakes, and we learn from them. I guess what is intriguing me is, you know, as a guy that is under 30, and, and you've celebrated all of this success and, and had some really senior roles, I'm keen to understand how that impacts you from an esteem point of view. Because often the program can be, you know, I'm 10, 15 years younger than everyone else on the board. And therefore, am I as good as? Or do they perceive me as as good as? So how do you deal with that voice of doubt that might creep in if it does at all? So if you cast your mind back to kind of knowing me five years ago, it was all about having a point to prove by my own admissions. And quite frankly, probably didn't go around things the right way, just from trying to prove that point. But as I've kind of understood more about myself and understood more about my capabilities, it's about the end results of, of you rather than kind of making any points as far as I'm concerned. Now, there's no lies or kind of, you know, hiding beyond the fact of my age. And, and I've already, you know, 24, I, I was at kind of board level in, in, in the business that I first got, got to board level. And I didn't hide that, you know, and I think not hiding that, discussing it openly, and making sure that your colleagues around the table understand that actually, you know, you bring a different perspective on things. Mm. What it does do, and I've learned a lot, is admittedly when I was kind of 18, 19 and, and 20, wanting to climb the ladder, is I missed out on probably quite a lot from what my friends did. Yeah. 
of peers who I went to school with. So, you know, for me, it wasn't necessarily going out kind of partying or you know, being away on rugby tour or anything like that. It was much more around trying to keep focus, improve that point and get to where I wanted to get to. So it's difficult, but I think once you know exactly who you are and what you're capable of, I think you're very comfortable and be able to put that point across as well. See, there is like the nutshell, isn't it? It's it's knowing your own worth, knowing your own value and how you add that, as opposed to wondering what other people are thinking. Yeah, absolutely. So what was the key thing that made you learn that? I think, if I'm completely honest, probably getting it wrong. Yeah. And annoying people quite a lot. <laughs> and my natural profile five years ago was very different to what it is now. And I had to learn very quickly when the reporting lines changed from having a boss that you always go to to becoming that boss. Yeah. Don't get anywhere by being that kind of bull in a china shop mentality. And it changed me from being much more around, let's just get it done, kind of get my hands dirty, to becoming that, you know, kind of pulling the strings and making everyone work with you. It's definitely about not being the person that I am and not being as polished as I am, I'd say. That's what made me realise Nice. So that actually making mistakes, but then learning what you need to do differently, holding that mirror up. I like that a lot. And moving to that second proudest moment then, if the first one is all about your career and what, how you've got to where you've got, what's the second one? And I know it's not running a marathon because you're a bit <laughs> like me. You've already said we're, we're not marathon runners. Yeah. Everyone else on the podcast is. I'd love to be. I mean, I'd take my hat off to anyone who could, but I do <laughs> I mean, couch to 5K kind of finished me off. So <laughs> however many miles a marathon is, it would definitely, you wouldn't be speaking to me at the end of it. So I've probably been a little bit cheeky and done a kind of generic one here. But for me, COVID has had a lot to answer for in the last 18 months and the last kind of 12 months considerably. Now, I think everyone's got a story to tell around COVID, whether that be kind of personal loss or impact that it's had to them or anything like that. And for me, I lost my grandma to COVID. Who so had end stage dementia and suddenly caught COVID from my carers and, and passed away. But COVID as a whole, as good, bad, or whatever it may be, or, or what anyone thinks of it, has changed everyone, in my opinion, for the better. Because as a nation and as a team of people or as a business, we've become more caring and more understanding of things. And you know, I, I'm I'll come on to my team after, but I am unbelievably proud of kind of the journey that everyone's gone on from, you know, day one. I remember sitting in a board meeting when someone heard about this virus and our chairman, Steve, talked about it recently, where he's actually in a beach in South Africa and read the news about what was going to happen. And I've taken the business with, with the team around here on such a journey in the last 12 to 18 months. That has been difficult, to say the least. My end user is predominantly restaurants and from day one having projects booked in and, and a number of maintenance contracts booked in to having nothing you know covid yeah. has gone from being a dramatically bad time to being a time where i can step back and actually think now naturally I, I, i'm not that sort of person normally i'd rather kind of attack things and and think about things as quick as i can but to have days and weeks at a time to kind of become a strategist and think mm. in, in the deeper detail has been quite a momentous occasion. And the big thing I'll talk about within kind of taking back to the first point is my career before I'm 30 is 
I've learned more because of what's happened during COVID than I ever think I would have done if I carried on doing what I'm doing now for the rest of my life. I think as a nation, everyone should kind of be proud of, of what we've achieved. But for me personally, the business has grown from strength to strength over the last 12 months. It's coming from that baseline, isn't it, of threat, really. There was a, a big threat to many businesses. Of course, some of them did really well, but there was a threat to many. And I think what it's demonstrated for me, listening to lots of people like you in, in the position of running a business, is that idea that anything is possible. So, you know, we'd, we'd talk about a project, wouldn't we, of let's get everyone working from home and it would be on the too hard to do list. And we're never going to achieve that. But actually, things like that happened overnight. Businesses changed the way that they did business overnight, pretty much. And we were capable of doing that. But also that resilience and ability to cope. And particularly for a leader like you, when you're leading people through that change, and it was an enormous change curve for all of us, actually realising the resilience that you have as a leader and that people underneath you have too. Huge. Yeah, I think when you look at the responsibilities on any leader's shoulders through the bad times, you know, it's not all as glamour as it may necessarily seem to some people. And, you know, I remember I remember actually the, the first week that happened, we went into a true survival mode. That took me back kind of seven years to becoming a credit controller, to sending out engineers And it's fair to say that my team don't forgive me for it now because, you know, I didn't do the best of jobs of it during COVID. But sending out engineers to becoming kind of an account manager to just having to do the day-to-day. And it gave me such a realisation of how hard and how productive my team are, seeing what they do on a day-to-day basis. And our, our kind of threat was huge. Sadly, in our industry, so many casualties came from it. But we went into true survival mode and then tried to get to a revival mode. And that kind of let's all buckle down, let's all you know, do the, ne- the necessary to get through this and try and change and adapt over that period of time. Mm-hmm. Not only is a learning curve, but is a, you know, it's a great exercise for everyone to go through to analyse not only themselves, but their business as well, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. And tell us about the business because you know we're talking about it, but we're not fully understanding we haven't mentioned it yet, exactly what Advanced Group do. So we are a leading kitchen design house is, is what we're known as. Off the back of that, we have a maintenance business that, that kind of services the kit, etc. And we have a couple of other business units in there as well. But we supply commercial kitchens to a range of customers, whether it be high-end Michelin-starred kitchens in London, celebrity chefs, etc., to Casual dining restaurants, you know, some of the big names in the country were very big in care homes. So again, when we talked about what that period in COVID looked like, it was really difficult for our customers there. And we do some stadium events and things like that. Now, we are one of the kind of top five businesses in in the UK for it. And our, our kind of mantra is much around about kind of leading the design experience for the customer, which... Let's face it, and having come from a different industry, it's not the most exciting of kits. It's not something that naturally would inspire and excite people. But I can see from working with with the team that the journey that we put our customers on for that customer experience from taking an initial design brief from a chef or a a project manager or whatever it may be 
to implementation into our service at the back end of it is, you know, it's really magical actually the way that we mock things up and the way mm-hmm. we implement that over a period of time. So and off the back of that, we also have a great product that holds food, which is, again, I'm still learning what all this sorts of stuff does. And we have a kind of e-commerce site as well. So naturally, we are someone that provides a kitchen for our end users to provide great food. And, and I want to just pick up on a point you just made there around, you know, kitchens aren't your thing. You haven't grown up doing kitchens since 18. And there's this thing around, and I find this a lot with clients, where they're moving into something new or they, they want to move into a new area. So they're a leader and they've worked in banking forever or they're a leader and they've worked in security forever and then they want to make a switch. And the fear is I can't do it because I don't know the industry. And what you're demonstrating is, as I believe too, you can lead anywhere. You've been in the kitchens now for how long? A couple of years? Two years. How have you made the transition? So I'll tell you you why it happened first and I'll tell you how I've made it. So the reason why I did it is because a pal of yours and I, Chris Chidley's, sat me down in Northampton in my office one day and said that the world is shifting from kind of sector-specific leaders to business leaders. And as Chris always did, kind of dropped his board pen and walked out at that point. <laughs> and that, that resonated with me when I was looking for my next move. And I found the transition very difficult in the first six months. I came from big PLC life in kind of 250 people around me to having a team of a business of 50 where, you know, you will get the pallet truck out and move the stock that yeah. and to, to kind of lead in the business. And for the first three months, by my own admission, I wondered what on earth I'd done. I genuinely sat in my office thinking, what on earth? Mm. But the way I kind of threw myself into it was by trying to immerse myself with the industry. And what I would say about the hospitality sector as a whole and our customers is the passion and the drive that's in there resonates with me completely. You know, they're creative, they're passionate about their customers, they love what they do. And that just matches my kind of beliefs and what I'm about as well. So I don't think it's about knowing the kit. I still really struggle with the difference between a dishwasher and an oven. I'm so glad. I know it at home. I'm glad to say I know what what one does to the other. But when it's stainless steel and commercial, I've not got glue. But, you know, what what it's about is surrounding yourself with great people who understand that. You know, you can kind of do what you need to do with it. Oh, yes. That's like 50 years of wisdom right there, that, Ryan. It's so true. You You don't have to be technically capable. And so many people out there believe that they need to in order to be successful. But it is that just being able to lead the people with the technical knowledge, isn't it? Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Oh, amazing. I love that. I love that. And so we've got that one as your number two. So what's the third one? I've touched on it a lot. Is around, and I'm a massive people person, as you know, but my third and final one is my team that I've got now. And... I've been really fortunate to bring some of my team with me. And that is a kind of deep feeling in my heart that anyone has, has made the decision to come with me. I don't know the business when they joined, then it was something that, that, that I've uh, brought them along with me. But the business that I joined two years ago is something completely different to what it is now. And that's not solely down to me. That's, you know, there's a, there's a great team of people that are, are behind us there that have made that happen. And we've gone from being quite a 
closed book business, I'd say, in terms of a lack of challenge and sometimes not a fun place to work, to being all about everyone in the business having a voice and everyone being able to challenge up, down, left, right, whatever that looks like, and having the ideas to bring them forward, whoever's table is around the business to try and to try and make things better. Now, the team, as I was saying to you just before we joined, is it's our year end at the minute. And I am pushing like anything to, as any as anyone is at year end, to maximize everything that they can. And the team are just a resilient bunch of guys that know when it's right to kind of nod and say, yes, Ryan, and, and then, you know, let me crack on with my wild ideas. But at the same time, know when they can turn around and challenge. Now, you know, the, the best thing I'd say is the people around me are absolutely what make my passion come out day to day, make this business what it is. And I will forever be in debt with those that have worked with me in the past and those that work with me now. And it gives such a different perspective on things that we've brought, you know, two people in that I've worked with in BSG days and Compass days, whatever it may be, who know when it's right to rein me in and know when it's right to stop me from doing things. But at the same time, we've got people in, in my team who have been here for sort of 30 years who know what's right for the business as well. Yeah. So that mix and that gel that actually didn't happen overnight at all. You know, it took kind of six, eight, 12 months to make it is working perfectly now. And I'm really excited and genuinely really proud of what's been achieved by them. And, you know, with, with, with all of us, through COVID, through my career, none of it would happen without the team around me. And there's another lesson in there from what you just said in terms of how long it takes to actually get that team gelled and get them working. You know, you said before, when you first took on the position, after three months, you could have easily have walked away because you're in that kind of sticky middle. You've built a team, but it didn't happen on day one. You've had to build that up over time. And so it's that kind of resilience as a leader that I'm hearing that you have to kind of keep hanging in there, keep shaping, keep moving things forward, but not expecting perfection from the outset. Yeah, I think when you asked the earlier question about kind of what the realisation was when I was younger, so how I got to now, that perfection isn't everything. You know, I, I learned that very quickly, that it's okay to let some things go. And we had, you know, we had a messy six to 12 months, Not, you know, not only coupled with, sadly, we lost some people from COVID and we had to make some people redundant and all that sort of stuff, as, as, you, as any business did do, really. And just as you start to get on the cusp of a winning formation, something happens. And that's always going to be the case, whether that be someone moves on to pastures new or someone retires. It's those things that are set to try it. But, you know, for me, it's that foundation of what makes that winning team. And it's a mixture of, you know, people who have been there for life that have got their business's interest truly ingrained into them. It's those that have come from bigger and better places or bigger and better businesses that can bring some wisdom to make this business bigger and better. And it's about being able to openly challenge and, and above all else, have a laugh doing it. Yeah. We spend far too much time at work to not enjoy ourselves. Yeah. You know, get a team that enjoys life and enjoys working with you and appreciate the fact that you're going to have some really tough times together. It's like a relationship at the end of the day, isn't it? You're going to have tough times, but how you get through it together with your communication and your challenge and all that sort of stuff is what makes or breaks it. Yeah, and a willingness to change behaviour. 
you know, I'm guessing from what you're saying with all of these lessons you've learned along the way, there's had to be an adaptation to your behaviour in order for you to achieve the successes you've achieved. Yeah, definitely. I think if we, if I was the person that I was seven years ago, I wouldn't be here now. Um, you know, by my own admission, I was someone that would just fire things off left, right and centre. I wouldn't influence anyone. I'd want things to be done. And <laughs> no one else's ideas was the right idea. And I wasn't rounded at all. And that is probably what I lacked from not going to uni or uh, or anything like that, because I just saw it my way. I knew that I wanted to, to kind of go far. I didn't quite know how I wanted to do it. And I thought the best thing to do was to kind of shout about it at the top of my voice to get what I wanted. You know, I think now you have to adapt. Not only, I suppose I've adapted one how I operate massively, whether that be customer focused or internally focused, and just my natural kind of personality, which happens with age anyway. You know, I think if I put myself back seven or eight years ago, I probably would have done a lot of things differently. But I'm kind of really proud and and glad of where I am now with it. I'd say. That's oh, amazing. You know, I'm hearing your three your three proudest moments, and they're all work related. So I've got in my mind now. Well, what's the work life balance? So let's talk about, I'm going to get you to do another one. Let's talk about, and you've not prepared for it, so you'll be going. No, 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 it's not my iPad. So <laughs> now, from the cuff, proud moment that would be outside of work. So I think anyone that comes on here who hasn't got a family and doesn't say about how proud they are of their family is bonkers, quite frankly. I'm a dad to Darcy, who is the, the kind of sweetheart of my life, so to speak. I'm very lucky to be a stepdad to Alfie and I get married in three weeks oh. to um, my other half, Sarah, who, you know, Sarah is kind of the rock that gels everything together whilst I'm working away or kind of working late, etc. And having kids drives that work-life balance. And, you know, when I made a point of saying that I wanted to be much more flexible and be able to provide a good life to the kids and so they've got everything in there but not only a good life but to have a good life with their dad at home as well yeah. you know let's face it there's always going to be long nights there's always going to be early morning starts there's always going to be work away but there's always time to stop and think about the kids yeah my hobbies have shifted from playing rugby and playing golf on a Saturdays to taking the kids swimming or kind of running around after them over the park and stuff like that. So yeah. I think, uh, again, we go back to COVID, but it's obviously drive the work-life balance yeah. as whether that be a walk at lunch with, with the kids or finding the time to go to an assembly or yes. be there to pick them up, which, you know, realistically, three, four, five years ago, many people didn't do. You'd see everyone change their desk between nine to five. Yeah. And I've made a conscious effort now to be there when I can. So they remember not only did kind of daddy or, or Ryan, as Alfie calls me, work really hard throughout our childhood, but it was also those points that we needed him to be there. Oh, that's really lovely. And where are you getting married? I was going to say I don't know because I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to Sarah. She's done all of it, bless her. But we are getting married in Shropshire, so oh. we toured 200, 300 places. <laughs> And neither of us could agree on. And I think through sheer boredom, I eventually said, yeah, this is the place. Aww. So, you know, everything is kind of in its final stages now. It's uh, it's an exciting time. But admittedly, Sarah has done everything 
And I've promised and promised and promised I will do things. But <laughs> I promise and promise and promise I'll do them tomorrow. I keep, keep uh, I'm, sure, with it. Yeah, I'm sure the day that she's organised will be lovely. So. As long as you turn up, I reckon it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we, we have got this kind of focus on a bit of you time, a bit of family time. It's not just all about work, which is lovely to hear. So, you know, we've talked about team. We've talked about the learnings and the resilience from COVID. We've talked about how you've advanced and the lessons you've learned along the way. And so thinking about all of that, if you were going to define the secret to success through your lens, what would that be? Well, I did prepare this one, actually, and because, as you know, I listen to kind of everyone's thoughts and things like that. And I think the question is so poignant not to be able to sit and write, mm. which isn't war and peace, but I've summarised it into what I think. What I said is that I honestly believe that the only measure for success is how you feel. Honestly, take no notice of how anyone else judges what you class as your own success. But for me personally, my secret is I love what I do. I wake up every single day with a fire in my belly and a passion for every task I undertake. Surround yourself with people who are better than you and who will compliment weaknesses once you've truly learned what they are. But three points. One, know yourself. Two, know your numbers. And three, know what you class as success. There's so much in there, isn't there? I mean, my God. I think it comes down to, you know, the, the, the fundamentals behind it is, you know, knowing yourself is so important. You know, know what, what your weaknesses are and knowing where those strengths come in. And when I talk about the, the kind of people who have joined me from other businesses, you know, Haley and Kev, who are right and left hands and always have been, they know exactly what my weaknesses are and will call me out on it when I get too carried away. Knowing your numbers, you know, fundamentally, I was never a mathematician. But we've got a great FC who does know his numbers and can point out when we're doing the right or wrong things. And knowing what you class as success is so important. Mm. And for me, it's just truly about, you know, loving what you do, whether work life or a personal life, and kind of jumping on that opportunity and relishing what, you know, what you've achieved. So that that passion can keep burning. Yeah. The two points in that, I mean, know your numbers. I mean, there's so many leaders out there that don't, if there's belief. So that's kind of one of those transactional ones. But the, the two that sandwich that are massive, you know, that know yourself. For one, there are so many of us that walk around with blinkers on as to the things that how we get in our own way. But also, I guess for you as a nearly 30 year old, it's also the idea that we change so much year on year, year on year. It's that consistently being able to know yourself and to be able to keep holding the mirror up because that's the key. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree in the slightest. And being able to kind of alter yourself when things aren't going right in your life and being able to adapt to the circumstances yeah. is so important and drives the right behaviours. Totally. And then just remind me, number three, I'm having a menopause moment. Can't remember it. Know what you class as success. Know what you class as success. So this is key. I mean, I always say everything's key because there's so many keys, Ryan. But so many people are walking around judging themselves against what their parents' idea of success was. So not even what the boss believes or, you know, what peers believe, but actually this fundamental thing around, you know, my dad valued people who worked in an office and therefore if I don't do that, I'm not good enough. 
So this idea of defining your own version of what success is, and that might be being a full-time dad, for example, that is so important from our value perspective. So if you were defining your own version, you've said do what you love and making sure that you're getting up every day doing what you love. Just remind us what else contributes to your own success. And for me, it's about being happy in what I do. You know, being happy in a, in a work environment and being happy, you know, making sure that my kids are happy. You know, nice. that's the kind of life ticked off, isn't it? You spend 90% of your time in work. You're happy. You've got a drive to, you know, it's, it's giving you everything that you need, which then in turn, you take that home and, and you have a happy, successful, you know, family life as well. And the contribution to happiness then. So Ryan is happy at work when? Now we're getting really deep, aren't we? Yeah, come on. I love this. (laughs) I think Ryan is happy at work when I'm best when there's a problem. I'm best operating when there's a problem and under pressure. And I am happiest when my team are performing and content in what they do. Amazing. So that, for me, you see, is is massive in terms of the types of business that you operate in. Because if you're in one that's already doing brilliantly all of the time and the team's perfect, you used that word earlier, my team's perfect now, then that drive might not be there anymore. So it's how do you keep moving everything forward and when do you take the decision to move on when the type of business that you're operating in isn't giving you what you need anymore, which is obviously what you've done in the past. You made the decision to move. Yeah, it's about knowing your limits. And if you know operating best in a problem for me is Key, you know, yeah. something around and, and transforming it. You know, I'm not someone that can think of something over 10 years. My strategy would fall at five, and I'm great at implementing it to five, but give me that really long term. I struggle with that. But turning something around over that five, five year period and mm-hmm. implementing it and then changing again is kind of where I operate best, I feel. Yeah, it's brilliant. And the fact you're aware of that is really good. Ryan, honestly, I've having, I don't know whether to say this or not. I, I tend to say the wrong thing, but you wouldn't think that I was chatting with a 30 year old man. You know, that, that wisdom, you used that word earlier, that wisdom that you have is beyond, you know, beyond what some 40, 50 year olds have. I think that's down to a massively uphill paper round at 30. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think I'm really lucky to have learned a lot of. You know, some fantastic leaders some, uh, and some colleagues that, you know, some of which you've had on here before, you know. And I've just remembered and watched and observed as much as I can with them. And, you know, if it comes across as I'm older, then I'll take it as a compliment. As long as you don't look it, in it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think it's sadly that I think I do. <laughs> no, you're all right. You're all right. I guess it's that kind of, your ability to have loads of confidence, which you have, loads of passion, loads of drive, but it's underpinned with humility. And, you know, my old boss, best boss I ever had, said that that is the key to success. I think it's, you know, the, the humbleness that's within me. I was, a, I was a really lucky child, you know, very much so. And you know, my dad runs a really successful business and my mum, you know, fantastic in everything that she does. And, you know, I had everything kind of on a plate if I wanted it, but I was really keen not to get that into, into my children, you know, not, yeah. not to spoil them as such. And, 
you know, remaining grounded no matter what happens or what you've got is, is just key, I'd say. Oh, do you know what, Ryan? It's been lovely catching up. It's been ages since we have done properly. But yeah, it's been lovely just kind of getting to know you, getting to see the growth and seeing where you are now. And I just wish you all the best for the wedding. I hope you turn up on the right date at the right place. <laughs> Maybe get the memo beforehand. And, uh, <laughs> and all the best for the next 12, 18 months in the business. I'm sure it will go from strength to strength. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And so, just like that, we're at the end of the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed your time listening today. And a big thank you from me for taking the time. I'd really love it if you would be able to leave a review because it really does help us to get noticed. And if you haven't already, why not subscribe and then you never miss an episode. I wish you a lovely rest of the day, whatever it is that you're doing. And I hope that you stay safe and well.